Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, uh, it's me, John. Uh, this week we are going to be discussing the Activision Blizzard developments, uh, which of course involve uh, light discussion of things like sexual assault uh, and sexual violence. So uh, just as, as an upfront warning to you, uh, when we talk about that story, we will be uh, diving into some pretty serious allegations and naming what those allegations are. There aren't a ton of, uh, I think, very specific details, uh, but still, uh, there are some discussions about those things. So just be warned uh, that this week's episode does involve some of that discussion. Uh, thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope your upcoming holiday week is restful and full of good food and all that good stuff uh, if you're celebrating uh, the holiday. Uh, I have a packed show for you to get you ready for your week. Um, I talked to my uh, media studies professor for my undergraduate degree that I got in media studies um, at Austin College in Sherman, Texas. I asked him a bunch of questions about how the landscape of media and games have changed over the past 15 years. I enjoyed that conversation. I hope you do too. I also sat down with Funke Joseph to briefly discuss two big games that came out this week, one of which we didn't even know was going to come out before uh, I think it was Tuesday. So that was very cool. Uh, but first, really big developments in the Activision Blizzard case, uh, and we we have to talk about it. The Wall Street Journal posted an extensive report earlier this week disclosing the details from Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, and his previous transgressions uh, at the company and beyond uh, that have shed a totally new light on this entire saga with Activision Blizzard. Um, the story recounts a bunch of instances uh, where Kotick has been documented of knowing about uh, instances of harassment at Activision Blizzard and surrounding developers, uh, and also that the CEO uh, was complicit in basically putting those things on the back burner or covering them up. Uh, the most uh, damning piece of evidence was a Treyarch uh, co-head Dan Bunting uh, was uh, recommended that he be terminated uh, by the HR department at Activision Blizzard. Uh, however, Bobby Kotick did step in and uh, uh, basically made that whole situation go away. Also part of the Call of Duty family uh, that uh, was not ever disclosed to the board. Uh, Bobby Kotick's job is to report to the board on things like this, and Bobby Kotick did not report this case to the board uh, back in 2016 and 2017. 
uh, that's really not good. Uh, so he has been caught. Um, Bobby Kotick has been caught basically uh, violating the uh, outlined rules that Activision Blizzard now has to abide by, including a zero tolerance policy uh, on harassment. Uh, but so far, uh, any calls for his resignation have been met with uh, tepid reaction from Activision Blizzard's uh, board of directors itself. Um, The board of directors actually uh, released a statement that said the Activision Blizzard board remains committed to the goal of making Activision Blizzard the most welcoming and inclusive company in the industry. Under Bobby Kotick's leadership, the company is already implementing industry-leading changes, including zero-tolerance harassment policy and dedication to achieving significant increases to the percentages of women and non-binary people in our workforce and significant internal and external investments to accelerate opportunities for diverse talent. The board remains confident that Bobby Kotick appropriately addressed workplace issues brought to his attention. The goals we have set for ourselves are both critical and ambitious. The board remains confident in Bobby Kotick's leadership, commitment, and ability to achieve these goals. Okay. Not everyone agrees. We'll get to that in a second. But that is so far the Activision Blizzard board's official response to these uh, new reports from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Of course, a better ABK, the Workers Alliance that is working toward a bunch of improvements within Activision Blizzard, uh, have uh, taken to Twitter and other outlets to basically condemn Bobby Kotick, uh, you know, demand his resignation and also say, quote, we have instituted our own zero tolerance policy. We will not be silenced until Bobby Kotick has been replaced as CEO and continue to hold our original demand for third-party review by an employee-chosen source. We are staging a walkout today. That was a few days ago. We welcome you to join us. Okay. Um, uh, Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg, of course, has also noted that the Blizzard employees were given Thanksgiving week off. Uh, we all speculate, and I agree, that this was probably done to basically get ahead of this news, to have like less folks at the workplace while all of this stuff was being worked out. Uh, and as of Friday morning, uh, November 19th, um, nothing has happened. Bobby Kotick is still in charge as the CEO of Activision Blizzard. Um, there are a lot of other details in the story, and I want to dig through some of them. Um, Jen O'Neill, the co-lead of Blizzard, who was hired alongside Mikey Barra to basically lead Blizzard into a new direction after all the lawsuits hit. Uh, when she left, everyone was wondering, huh, okay, it's been three months. You left already. Uh, There's a big gap. What happened? Because we all knew that something probably happened here. And uh, so uh, the Wall Street Journal basically says in an email to Activision's legal team that O'Neill said that she had no faith that she'd be able to enact meaningful change because she kept running into walls and friction with other leadership, saying, quote, it was clear the company would never prioritize our people the right way, end quote. Um, The more maybe not more, but also extremely damning uh, element of Jen O'Neill's tenure was that she was not being paid equally uh, to her counterpart, Mikey Barra. Uh, Mikey Barra was getting a sort of a certain salary and uh, Jen O'Neill was getting less than that. She was offered uh, a matching salary the, the day that she tendered her resignation. So she handed in her resignation and was offered a higher salary. You would think that that would just like be the first thing they would do. Uh, 
But I think that's kind of how sick the company is, is that they don't even know how to act the right way. Do you know what I mean? They It feels like Bobby Kotick can't even fathom what it looks like for this company to operate correctly and within ethical bounds. And so they couldn't even fake it till they make it. And they couldn't even walk the walk for one day. They talked the talk completely and failed Jen O'Neill and the rest of their labor force. So, yeah. A lot of questions are surrounding Mikey Barr during this time. Uh, whether or not this is true, I have no idea. But he says in a message to Blizzard that he and Jen O'Neill had actually asked their employers for equal pay for this position. And it was just never granted until... Uh, Jen O'Neill tendered her resignation. So um, who knows what Mikey Barra is up to now. He's been pretty quiet since that time, um, since that message about Jen O'Neill's pay uh, pay scale. Jen O'Neill has said that uh, they, they were talking about at a certain level, uh, making her an offer that would uh, have equal pay, but that offer did not actually materialize again until it was too late. Um, the shareholders group, the strategic organizing center, um, they basically have 4.8 million shares in, uh, Activision Blizzard stock. Uh, they have also called for Bobby Kotick's, uh, resignation. Um, they have referred to Activision Blizzard as having a hostile workplace and are asking for this to happen. So, uh, the group is also calling for retirement of board directors, Brian Kelly and Robert Morgado by the end of the year. Um, these people have been, uh, you know, major players on the board for a long time, and uh, folks say it's time for them to go because they are not doing enough either. Um, the uh, Bloomberg also followed up on a lot of these Wall Street Journal findings um, to find some interesting stuff. Uh, they, when asked for a comment, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan uh, was, quote, disheartened and frankly stunned, end quote, by the original report. Um, Jim Ryan apparently has been in touch with Activision and said uh, that they've, they've reached out immediately, they've expressed deep concern, and they're reconsidering aspects of their relationship to Activision Blizzard based on these findings, uh, which is major news because that would actually hit Activision Blizzard where it hurts, which is, of course, the bottom line. Not to be outdone, Phil Spencer over at Xbox says he is disturbed by what's going on at Activision Blizzard and is reevaluating the company's relationship to, uh, to Activision Blizzard as we speak. Those are major, major condemnations. You usually don't see major figureheads of companies saying, hey, uh, we actually agree that this is an institutional major problem that seems to have one common source, and it's Bobby Kotick basically being at the head of this company. So if you're wondering, okay, what could the board do? The board could remove Bobby Kotick, okay? Bobby Kotick could resign. That would be the easiest thing to happen is he could resign. He could take his many, many millions of dollars and just chill forever, make Moneyball 2 or whatever and uh and basically just you know die in obscurity um or he could be removed in his contract um as uh, Steven Totillo over at Axios uh, uh figured out uh his contract uh stipulates that if he is terminated uh with cause he still has 
uh, $250,000 to gain based on that arrangement. So even if it's with cause, that means in the state of California, you're found uh, to absolutely be at fault for something that would require you to be fired. Uh, he would still walk away with $250,000, which is obscene. But what's maybe more obscene is that he has, if he is terminated, quote, without cause, he stands to gain almost $300 million in settlement. Now, Activision Blizzard has a multi-billion dollar market cap. So I don't want to say that $300 million is, uh, you know, it is, is not doable for Blizzard to pay, but I'm not going to say it's chump change either. That's a lot of money. And the problem is that without very clear paper trails that are, uh, you know, confirmed by a third party and evaluated by the board and all these things, it would be difficult to remove Bobby Kotick quote for cause for something like this when the allegations are from years ago. It's not to say that that's not possible. It's just that the Wall Street Journal report would probably not be enough to create that environment. In fact, Bobby Kotick, what would probably happen is if he's terminated, quote unquote, for cause, he would probably sue Activision Blizzard for wrongful termination. And that would be a very protracted process. And they would probably settle all things considered. So Bobby Kotick, almost no matter what, stands to uh, gain financially from being fired from this position. Um, but he also seems like not the kind of person that would step down without incident. Now, as of uh, 2.20 p.m. Central Time on Friday, uh, that has not happened. And he has not stepped down. Who knows? By Sunday morning, by next week, when you're listening to this, he may have stepped down without incident. Who knows? Uh, a petition has also gone up uh, from the ABK folks, the better ABK folks. Um, it's got, uh, uh, I think, over 800 Activision Blizzard employees by this point uh, signing for the removal of Bobby Kotick as CEO. Um, that is uh, that's that's pretty explosive. Um uh, within all of this stuff, they, they, the Activision Blizzard group has also, um, you know, said that they want to unionize. That's also a major deal. This is an ongoing terrible issue. I feel really weird about the Jen O'Neill stuff. That feels like that could have been a, a step in the right direction, but instead they bungled it. I want to revisit my point that if if this company from the top down doesn't even know what it looks like to behave ethically – then they're never really going to get to the point. And, and it's very clear that Bobby Kotick has to step down. And if he's not going to step down, the board has to remove him come hell or high water. I don't care if he throws a fit. I don't care if you've got to settle out of court. It doesn't matter. This is, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't see any way around it. And um, I, I feel awful for those employees who are sitting there working their asses off for a guy that, uh, I clearly doesn't give a shit about any of them. Let's move on to some uh, video games, shall we? <laughs> this has been a long week. Um, uh, Xbox had a, of course, a 20th anniversary stream earlier this week where, as you know, uh, Halo Infinite was shadow dropped, the multiplayer at least, and that's out. I'm not going to even count that as news. It is news, but you've been playing it for days now. I've been playing it. It's a great game. You should go play it. It's free on PC, Xbox, download it. Uh, I'm on there, uh, floppy adult on PC and Xbox. Uh, find me, add me, let's play Halo together. Anyway, there were other things that happened during the Halo stream. 
excuse me, the Xbox 20th anniversary stream. Um, the uh, There's a six-part documentary uh, coming on December 13th to multiple streaming services called Power On, the story of Xbox, which I think is very uh, cool. Uh, we'll see how raw raw corporate it is but they also uh uh they also talk about red ring uh the initial creation of the original xbox and stuff like that so it'll be really cool uh, over 70 backwards compatible games were announced uh coming to xbox including max Payne, otogi uh i i think that's really probably all you need to know also the fear series uh all original xbox titles and some 360 games will get frame boosts and auto hdr and we did get a first look at the Halo live action series that's coming to Paramount Plus. Of course, most of the presentation at that point was centered around Halo Infinite's uh, surprise multiplayer launch, uh, which we've already talked about. And it's a lot of fun. And you should go play it. Have I mentioned that it's good and you should go play it? You should go play it. Uh, and if you want to check out a video about the uh, the campaign, um, uh, first impressions of the campaign, uh, Khalif Adams over on his Spawn on Me channel uh, has released a cool video showcasing uh, the early stages of that game. It looks amazing. Uh, expect a lot of coverage around the time of launch here at fanbyte.com. We are reviewing the game. Uh, so I, I can't wait for that. Nikki's going to review that. I love Nikki and Nikki's Nikki loves, uh, Halo. So that's great. Um, the Xbox cloud, uh, gaming service is actually finally available on Xbox consoles as of this week. So you can now play Xbox series X and S games on your Xbox one, which is very cool. So if you're into game pass and have an internet connection, that is good enough to do that. You can basically play a bunch of Xbox series X games on your Xbox one for only uh, 15 bucks a month which is very cool so go check it out it works better than stadia i'll say that <laughs> um the new saints row game uh, that is going to be rebooting the series uh was a surprise reveal during gamescom this year and they gave a very ambitious date of february 2022 and guess what they were they were probably wrong about that. They had to have known even at that point that it wasn't coming out in February 2022. But you know what? Never mind. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Now it's coming out on August 22nd, 2022. It's a six-month delay. Volition's chief creative officer, Jim Boone, said on the website that COVID is basically to blame for this. Everyone underestimated how long things would take now that, you know, think people are still dealing with COVID stuff. Um, and it, it's a huge game and a lot of moving parts and yada, yada, yada. You know, you get it. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to make a game, especially with all these challenges. So, yeah, a six-month delay seems about right, and uh, we'll see if it slips any further into 2022. If you like the RGG Studio, the folks that make Yakuza and Judgment, um, you're going to be interested to know that they're making a game that isn't Yakuza and isn't Judgment. So they're working on IP that has nothing to do with those things. That's it. That's like, that's the story. Um, they're, they're, yeah, they're not going to do it. Uh, some other little details from a Famitsu article that came out uh, this past week. Uh, Ichiban Kasuga is a little bit older in Yakuza 8. They jump forward in time a little bit. And what they didn't say is that they're working on a new judgment game uh, because they may not be. Uh, there are some licensing issues that could uh, throw that series into jeopardy. But they said if circumstances permit, 
they will be making a new judgment game at some point that they're not working on it now. So Yakuza 8 will probably be uh, something that will come out in the next couple of years. We'll probably see more of it in 2022. But they're also working on this secret IP, which is super exciting. Um, We also learned a few weeks ago that WB is releasing a platform brawler. We got some details on it this week. Uh, It's called Multiversus. Uh, It's got a lot of cool characters in it. If you like Warner Brothers, Batman... Bugs Bunny, Finn the Human, Steven Universe, Shaggy, Tom and Jerry, Arya Stark. Yeah, Arya Stark. Um, yeah, they revealed a bunch of stuff. It looks cool. They're emphasizing team play in this one. So if you like kind of team battles in Smash, there are, uh, you know, little like boosts that you can give to your teammate not just you're not just fighting other people you can also do things to support your teammates which i think is kind of an interesting wrinkle and uh if you like all the voices of those characters that i just mentioned uh like kevin conroy is batman matthew lillard is shaggy tara strong as harley quinn and Maisie williams even as Arya stark they are all voicing their equivalents in multiverses um so that's pretty cool uh it is uh, going to be a uh, cross-play and cross-progression game, which is very cool. It's going to be free to play. Uh, I don't know. I, I, Nick Brawl was a little bit disappointing, I know, but it looks like they're they're learning a lot of lessons uh, from both Smash and uh, like Brawlhalla and the Nick stuff that happened. Seems like they're they're really putting it together. So we'll see if it's any good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems it seems kind of interesting. Uh, if you like Paradise Killer, which is one of last year's better games, uh, they're working with Ikumi Nakamura. Yeah, you know, Ikumi Nakamura, the one that, that uh, she's worked on Evil Within and Okami and Bayonetta. She's amazing. Um, they're working on something together. We don't know anything else about it, but like you, you need to know that, that the people that made Paradise Killer, which is very good, are collabing with someone who is also very good. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Remember that uh, way back at the PlayStation 5 reveal, like uh, two two years ago at this point, I feel like? I feel like that was two years ago at this point. Uh, there was a game called Pragmata. It is a Capcom game that looks a lot like uh, they rented Hideo Kojima to make some sort of uh, weird action game that says something poignant. It's kind of hard to say what it is. There was an astronaut who carried a child into the stratosphere and a lot of stuff appeared out of nowhere and then they show up on the moon. You don't remember it? Well, the trailer is over at fanbyte.com if you want to watch it. Anyway, this has been delayed to 2023. All right. If it was, wasn't was on your radar before, now it's on your radar. This game that looks weird and we don't know much about it is going to be delayed a full year. Uh, and finally, uh, the old Republic. Yes. The MMO, you listen, everyone's obsessed with Final Fantasy 14. I get it. It's great. We run a website for wow. I get it. It's great. Uh, Elder Scrolls online. still going strong. Just ask Dylan Skiffington guides editor here, fanby.com. But the old Republic is still around. Bioware is still putting content into this very, uh, old. It's now 10 years old. Um, this, this very cool, uh mmo um they're going to be releasing an expansion called legacy of the sith on december 14th 
Um, and that's very cool. There's a new flashpoint. There's new operation. There's new story stuff. Uh, there's a character named Colto. Uh, but there are no more advanced classes, um, but there are things called combat styles uh, that will take place of advanced classes. So those were previously branching paths players had to choose between when customizing their character's abilities, gameplay roles, all that stuff. Uh, now that's re- uh, being replaced by something called combat styles, which will give you a more diverse skill set, which is pretty cool. Um, cause you know, gameplay is always a thing. People are looking at MMOs to innovate on, which is cool. Um, and Bioware has got a lot of content planned all the way through 2022. So if you thought, Hey, maybe this is a swan song for an old, older and maybe struggling MMORPG. Think again, this game is still pretty popular and they're going to keep putting stuff in it. And that's cool. I played this game when it first launched and I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't stick with it. Is I don't stick with anything. But if you like Star Wars and MMOs, this game is pretty good. So yeah, uh, thanks to uh, Michael Hyam for a lot of that reporting because I've not kept up with this game and and he he has and that's great. Let's uh let's move on, shall we? This week, I traveled to my alma mater, Austin College in Sherman, Texas. Please don't confuse it with Austin University. That's a different thing that we don't have to talk about. Uh, I traveled there this week to give a talk to uh, the media studies folks there about humanities, about media, about world building. Uh, And I sat down with uh, associate professor of media studies, Brett Besson. Uh, And hi, Brett. How's it going? Great. How are you, John? I'm good. I'm good. It has been... 10 years since I've stepped foot on campus, but I think it's, I think it's been, yeah, it's been 14 years since I graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm feeling every bit of that 14 (laughs) years. Uh, Not sure about you. Um, Well, we're going to hear about some of that tonight, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I I think one of the things that has really struck me about uh, games uh, since I left um, is how unbelievably fragmented the entire space has gotten. Mm. Um, I'm curious about kind of like what you've noticed um, and what your students are interested in, uh, maybe compared to when I was here 15 years ago. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I mean, first, I think I, I think it's worth saying that I did not study games or game theory sure. or um, game production when I was in graduate school. You know, Austin College is very much a small liberal arts college, so we're thinking about broad connections between disciplines. And so, anyway, I started working with games actually from a um, from that kind of angle, and so thinking about. Um, studying games as a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think in the past, you know, since I started teaching games here, which was probably just a little bit right around the time you were here, yeah. maybe. Um, you know, I have I have seen some of that fragmentation. I think I want I want to f- say maybe in a way it's almost kind of bimodal, if that's a fair way to think about it, because. On the one hand, you still have, you definitely have lots of people playing 
big AAA games and just having these, yeah. you know, long running the the franchising of games has <laughs> been it just I I I don't personally get it. I don't I'm not a business person, but like I for me if I were running a company, I would not want to keep doing the same thing. I understand the business reasons why you do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but creatively, it seems yeah, kind of like a slog. Wow, but I but I get yeah. you know they don't want to take risks and yeah. they need to have consistent profit and and be able to plan for the future and stuff. Hope that they can do that. Um, so that's one big bump of the bimodal. And then on the other on the other hand, however, this mystical um, chart is measured against, but on the other bump, you have a bunch of people and maybe it's college students or maybe it's the kind of folks that Austin College attracts or (laughs) just this generation. But yeah, you have people who are really into like, you know, retro games and some people are casual players and some people love, you know, visual novels and story rich stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm a little uh, personally drawn to things that are more narratively um, kind of organized, you know, sure. gameplay is a cool feature for me, but I don't need to, you know, prove how lead I am and, you know, all that. Like it's, <laughs> sure. just, um, it's just something that, that for me personally is a thing. So like, um, but one of the things that I've had a new, uh, kind of, um, perspective on too is, uh, forget if I, if I've talked with you about this at all, but, um, Recently, Austin College started an esports program. Right. And so I, and they were kind of casting about for someone in this small group of a couple hundred employees who would be willing to step up and just take charge of it. Sure. Um, you know, and I said at the time, look, I'm, I, I'm not a competitive gamer. I, I really study games from a cultural perspective. And almost before the sentence was complete, they were like, great, no problem. Great. It's you. It's you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there may have even been a couple of folks that they went to before me. But but I'm the one they got. So I've become the esports director or the director of the esports program. And that's been a really fascinating look from a, a completely different angle on yeah. this, you know, yeah. trying to think about what does it mean to say, um, you know, playing video games competitively is an esport um, how can we do that at this small little, um, you know, uh, liberal arts college where we're at? And um, and it's it's fascinating. I mean, our our athletic division is, was one of the first athletic divisions to establish an esports competition. You know, now kind of most of them do, I think, but. Um, but it was, but that was great to be like three years ago and out on the leading edge of that. Sure, just kind of trying to figure it out as we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Fragmentation for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's been one of those things that I, I feel like I've noticed where, right around the time I graduated, there were this is you know back in two thousand six two thousand seven, that's when we kind of saw the mainstream indies. I feel like you know mm-hmm. get some money, get some budget get console releases because that was a new thing in the mid to late two thousands was indie games. You could find indie games on a PC and and whatever, but there was no real storefront for them. There was no platform that you could find a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. And now these platforms have made it so easy to put an indie up that, you know, discovery is being discovery is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a lot of genres actually that, existed sure when i was around but you mentioned visual novels you mentioned like some other stuff that like i feel like that has been a pretty big shift in just the genre differences that you see just maybe almost double the number of 
I think, widely known genres and games, yeah. which was like not a thing when I feel like I was here. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Now we do, um, you know, I have I, in my games course, I, I have them read a bunch of different things. And when we when we look at just basic fundamental, like, okay, if you understand games as a medium, uh, you compare it to things like television or film, what are some similarities when we talk about genre? Mm -hmm. These things that were even written, you know, 10 years ago, which in media time is sort of a, me a middling length. <laughs> sure. And it was sort of like higher ed time is a sort of very recent. But, in, but you know, in games time, it's, it's, a, it's a, a lifetime ago. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just like these are the common genres and it's like six, right. you know. Right, um, but, yeah. But now I don't, I don't see that at it's, all. It's all over the place. Not to mention that there's so many people who are, who are, you know, we're now getting to a maturity with the medium where people are doing, um, you know, genre crossing or genre blending and merging. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to take these aspects of this genre, mm -hmm. but I'm also going to pull in aspects from this other thing in this sure. game that we're doing. And the more indie it is, the more they can do that because yep. they don't have to, you know, prove, uh, you know, pre-sold or yeah, have success they, out of the box. They don't, they don't have to talk to a board of directors about the right. fiscal responsibility of the genre. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, you mentioned you you kind of gravitate toward narrative heavy games. Mm -hmm. Has there been anything in the past? You know, I don't. I don't. Know, let's just say decade that <laughs> you've really been drawn to. It could be recent. Could be. Yeah. Could be older. Well, so this probably would give you. This probably give anybody who knows this thing and um, is trying to and is trying to understand what I'm saying. All you probably need to know about what I'm saying about narrative heavy. Um, a thing that I always now recommend to my students when it's on, give it to them as optional because it's still, you know, you have to buy it, um, but it's inexpensive, is this thing called Her Story, mm -hmm. um, which sure. is not really a game in a lot of people's definitional senses, right? Yeah. Like it is an interactive um, database, video database, yeah. right? And there's a kind of a mystery that's built into it. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I love. I love just kind of, um, you know, discovering pieces of this through the interface. And the interface has a kind of game-like limitation. Right? Sure. Like there's a rule set that limits what you can do. Yeah. Um, I, uh, but, but like if it comes to, you know, it come, go a little bit further into that. Uh, I loved Gone Home. Mm -hmm. um, I loved Firewatch. Yeah, Firewatch. You know, yeah. the whole like walking simulator. I, I'm... I'm annoyed that that's where they landed with the term because I because that sound that sound just it's, it's, strikes me as so derogatory. It's, but yeah, it's pretty derogatory. Yeah, you know? I mean it's it's it, it's right. it's not it's not totally like that. But I, I yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. But I love but I just love those those approaches. Is sort of like you know let the player live in this world. Sure. Um, don't make don't force the player to um, don't put aspects of your narrative behind such a challenging gameplay sure. wall that you know some players will never get to it you right. know things like that i certainly appreciate in some of the bigger games and it's probably at the, in, in in some indies too um where you know the first thing they ask you is okay what level of intensity <laughs> you mm -hmm. know do you want to sure. want to get into this like i just this is a sad fact about me and also tells you a lot of oh, about me, I think. Um, but I just recently bought, because it was on a deep discount, because everybody said it was great, uh, Witcher 3. Sure. And so I'm I'm just getting into the beginning of that. But I, you know, given the options of how deeply I want to get, I'll just, 
I'll like the story. I'll appreciate the story. Thanks. See, it's the first time. I mean, what, what I would recommend to you and anybody at home, because I, I have in the past 10 years given up on this aspect of it, crank that difficulty down. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just like, yeah. I don't know. People get weird about difficulty, you know, and they it, they feel like there has to be a challenge to right. get that get that immersiveness. But I disagree. Like I played Witcher three completely on the easiest setting, and it was amazing. Like you know that that team did an amazing job of connecting really strong narrative loops to its side quests yeah. to like small things in that Good. world. And I think, like, yeah, I think I think as you go through that, you'll be pretty pretty pleased with it. Yeah. Um, well, and one of the things, you know, to kind of come back to the fragmenting nature, I think a big, uh, I think a significant um, roadblock to thinking really deeply about what about this milieu of things that we encounter is that we keep wanting to use the term game to apply to all these things. Sure. You know, like I say, her, her story is not really a game. And, you know, Firewatch is a walking simulator. And, and, and this sort of, you know, this issue too, that difficulty, the implication I think for a lot of players is that, um, you know, if the thing is not challenging to your, you know, if you don't, if you don't have to restart a bunch of times mm-hmm. or reload a bunch of times, then, then, you know, you're not, you're not showing yourself i don't even know what the argument is really like right Um, (laughs) yeah i mean so i want to open that up i mean i think i find myself using a term like which is it just as broad broader maybe but a term like interactive media more often than games per se because i want to include things like the ones i'm talking about and talk about them in the same breath as you know witcher or or other even just you know mario or you know sure Overwatch or Smash or you know what I mean like makes sense yeah that kind of stuff yeah um, I think that's again that's problematic in a different way but yeah um, that's no, what I find myself doing it makes sense yeah I mean there's a ton of discourse right now about difficulty generally I mean mm-hmm. like especially when it comes to uh, from software games like Dark Souls and, and Bloodborne and the upcoming Elden Ring like mm-hmm. you know uh, people are just wanting something to necessarily, you know, perhaps be easier to let people go through it. There are those purists that say, no, no, the challenge is part of it. Um, I wish we would kind of get beyond that mm-hmm. argument, to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, I think like also opening up games to everybody is an accessibility issue. I feel like, you know, yeah. so um, yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I, I um, Well, and I wonder, you know, sweet flip, put yourself on the other side. I, I'm sure that there is an additional layer of challenge for the designers. Sure. To try to think about, okay, if we're going to have difficulty settings, what are the characteristics of this game environment that we will be able to manipulate? Um, yeah, manipulate yeah. to make that work. You know, dealing, it's tough. You know, thinking about the NPC AI, right. and you know how how you know, rapidly they, they want to follow you, say, or, yeah. you know, um, whether, you know, detection distance and, you know, things like that. Like, those are those are interesting problems to me from a design perspective. Sure. And I think it would be fun for some designers, many designers, hopefully, to want to work through those challenges, yep. you know? Yeah. So. I, we've, we've been seeing a lot of that. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 just came out, you know, big racing game. Mm-hmm. Um, they put in a, an accessibility mode, which basically slows reaction times of the entire engine down hmm. so that you're still maintaining what appears to be a high speed, but your, your motor skills don't have to be as 
sharp to experience this. Yeah. That's a problem that I don't think any racing team has tried to solve, and yeah. this team has kind of solved it. So That's interesting, it's yeah. it's it's we're kind of at I think the precipice of a accessibility revolution, which will also I think intersect with that difficulty yeah. uh, discussion. So yeah, it's an interesting time. In some ways, there maybe there are two sides of a similar. Yeah. Yeah. Coin, yeah. I think so, too. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Well, I don't know if I told you I was listening to some of your recent um, <laughs> Thanks for the Knowledge sure. podcast episodes. And, sure. um, you know, speaking of speaking of Forza and just, you know, he, hearing you talk about all these games, I'm just thinking, man, <laughs> I, I, have so, I have so much that I need to learn about. <laughs> you know, like, John is so no, far ahead of me no, when so it comes to this. I was, uh, who was I talking to last night? Uh, I was on another show last night. It was on The Optional, which is another podcast in our network. And um, someone asked me, they collected questions from uh, our Discord, and someone asked, you know, how does John have time to do I fucking don't. I don't have time. And I, and I don't like, I, I mean, I don't. And I mean, like I started this show specifically so that I could keep up with stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a, a thing that I decided to do because I'm in meetings. I have a family. I have interests outside of video games. If I don't have this show, I'm not keeping up with that stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I do know a lot. It's because I've forced myself to basically produce yeah. a show every week that does it. And it's yeah. like, it's it, but it's every single week there's new stuff that, you know, I'll never play. Right. We have a great piece on the site right now uh, written by Merrick Kay that says, kill your backlog. Whatever you that. think you're going to do, I read that. you're not going to do it. Yeah. So just like focus on the stuff you want to do and quit yep. putting pressure on yourself yep. to play the stuff that other people have told you is important yep. because – you just need to play the stuff that you want to play. And I, I, it's easier said than done for someone like me. Yeah. But I agree, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I know you, you have your own, you know, media, uh, film and TV people like Dylan, but, um, but there was a piece that I have some of my students read that ba- made basically that same argument for mm-hmm. television. Yep. You know, it was like, uh, and even, and even beyond that, uh, print, God forbid, yes. right? Like, you know, there's just so much. It is not a question. It's a question of, you know, what when you look back on the things that you did, stop trying to think. It's just like what Marin said. <laughs> stop trying to think you're going to get there. You're, you're catch not. Up. You're not. You will not. Just give it up and start thinking about, you know, really look at yourself and ask, like, what are the things that make me, you know, bring me joy? And what are yep. the things that I really, I feel like are, are important and and read, watch, and play those things. Yep. And then don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, let it go. It's true. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a parting question that it has a, I, I think is a longer discussion, but I want to I get to it. Fair One of the things that I think is very interesting about film, you, you have more of a film background. Yeah. Something that's very different, <laughs> I feel like, about yeah. the landscape right now of film yeah. than when, when I was in school the consolidation of these massive IP, you know, guzzling uh, conglomerates and the franchise. It's not that we've never had franchises. That's not what I'm saying. But I think these massive interconnected universes that require so much money and attention. Marvel is really the one that I'm thinking about the most. Mm -hmm. 
How do you tackle that as a classic film studies kind of student of like, how do you look at this? How do you feel about it? Yeah. What do you tell your kids about it? <laughs> because I would have a hard time not putting my biases into that conversation. Yeah. But I'm curious about how you feel about it. Yeah. Well, you're right. That is a much longer. It question. is. But, um, but I, you know, just really kind of quickly, I, um, I try not to, I try, I try to be, you know, clear eyed about it. Sure. Right. Like, first of all, um, it's not going away anytime soon no. and it is a part of our reality today. Um, you know, just like in the games industry, it's the same kind of thing. Um, but I, but I, I think you're right that there's this kind of crowding out, you know, it, it, I, I think the question we have to ask ourselves is how much, how much is it, um, a, a question of zero sum, and and then the question is, what is the sum that you're trying to to work at, work with? And of course, it's people's attention. Yeah, right? like that's what we've realized in the last decade or so is that attention is really the um, the currency, mm-hmm. right, for all of these media. Well, again, print, motion pictures, interactive, mm-hmm. right? It's it's you can't do all of them at the same time. You can you can hardly even do two of them at the same time, really, with any value. So you're going to be making choices. Everybody's going to be making choices. And so, you know, when you have a company that comes in and just creates this huge, um, you know, world, this universe uh, where all these texts kind of bump up against each other and interact and whatever, you are going to some extent um, create less space for mm-hmm. other, other voices. And that's problematic. If on top of that, the decisions are largely driven by profit-seeking motives, mm-hmm. that's, that's much more problematic to me, but it's hard to imagine how those could be disengaged either. Uh, why would you even choose to go through the effort of, ma- of putting you know, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions? Are we at billions yeah, yet? Yeah, pretty much. Um, into, into a single kind of franchise like that if you weren't planning to generate profit, if that wasn't really your goal at some level, um, I can't even imagine a world that that would be like that. But, um, but yeah, at the same time, I do. I I try not to be afraid of it. I try to think, you know, there are we do still have lots of voices. Yep, they are around. The internet certainly is allowing us to get access to them much more easily. You know, um, communities fragment fragmentation has happened at the kind of you know community level too like something like discord i know you guys have a discord and i was just peeking around in there today and there's people in there chatting about you know whatever and you know i know you know so you know fanbot may be thinking maybe thinking well how are we going to kind of live in this universe or whatever but you've (laughs) got you've got your audience you know and you're growing that people are finding you and you know i think that's something to be um something to be excited about. So I guess what I'm kind of saying is I try to just be aware of it and then maybe (laughs) just kind of look at other things and maybe use my, my very uh, limited power as a professor to like help my students see that there are these other things. Sure. You know, and that's kind that was kind of my experience when I was a teenager. I just only saw stuff. that was at the local multiplex. Yep. And it was only when I got to college that I started really realizing like, Holy shit. Can That's I say other, shit? Other on this people, yeah, of course. Um, other uh, people, other people make movies too that yeah. you don't find at the this the multiplex. Exactly, yeah. and they talk about things that 
you know, Hollywood is so afraid to talk yeah. about, or, you know, was then, and I'm sure there are things now that they're afraid to talk about that we won't see in a Hollywood film until 20 years from now. Sure. You know, and so I, I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and I, hopefully that, that, hopefully I can help my students to, you know, find out what's up. And my kids do. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the best movie you saw this year? This year? Oh, that is putting me on the spot. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to default. I see so few movies, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Same. You know, no. I, I'll tell you what. I'll, I will punt on this and just say that um, my wife and I watched Dune this week. Sure. And I had seen the original, and I actually liked it when yeah, I was seeing it. Yeah, David Lynch. Sure, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Um, I just thought it was so weird and interesting. It is Again, so weird and interesting. that's not like normal. Right. Um, and then I read the novel, which I also enjoyed. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm an avid sci-fi reader, but I definitely read sci-fi and fantasy. And so I, while I, I, I was not super, just like your uh, reviewer on Fanboy, I was not happy with where they just kind of put a pin in it as you yeah, said right i'm ex- I'm, I'm excited for the second one and i'm and i'm interested in it and i appreciate what villeneuve and all the cast have done to like try to bring this world to life and, yeah um it's an, i'm intrigued it was impressive yeah oh, i'll yeah, say that's that a good, that's a good way to think about i it. i think i was impressed i was impressed more than i was entertained i feel yeah. like yeah for me personally yeah had you read the novel and seen the film the other uh, i had seen the other the other i'd seen the david lynch film i've okay. not i've not read the books yeah i should yeah but i haven't well you know it might it might be worse i mean you know obviously the the fans, the Dune fans, are people who <laughs> so appreciate the world building. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, but he, he's doing he did it very novels, well, right? Yeah, you know. And um, so, speaking of world building, hey, <laughs> uh, I will see you this evening. Yeah, when we I can't wait get a chance to hear about how you've been involved. That's in that. that's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Brett, thanks for hanging out. You bet. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Now that I've caught you up with what happened this past week, which was a lot, by the way, uh, I want to get you ready for this upcoming week. Let's talk about game releases between November 21st and 27th. Uh, Not a ton, to be honest, which is kind of wild. It's been a while since I feel like there haven't been a billion games that come out in a single week. But uh, still, there are some notable ones that we should be talking about. Uh, Death's Door is one of my favorite games of the year. It is a cool, isometric... uh, Dark Souls, Legend of Zelda-like, and it stars a very cute bird. I mean, what what don't you love about it? You can read uh, Funke Joseph's review of the game over at fanby.com. Uh, they liked it a lot. I like it a lot. I think everyone that's played it on staff has liked this game a lot. And it is now coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Nintendo Switch on November 23rd. So please check that out. I think that's a really good one. Um, Cricket 22. The official game of the ashes is coming to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One. If you just can't get enough of that paddle game, if you just can't stop thinking about England versus Australia in the in the big in the cricket classic, then you're gonna get want to get your hands on this. As far as I know, these games are okay. I don't want to I don't want to cast aspersions 
Um, I don't want to say cricket's too complicated because I think I think it gets a little bit of a bad rep for being too complicated when it's really not. It's it's not well. It's pretty complicated. But you know what? After watching it for a weekend one time when I was in the UK, I kind of got it, and it's kind of a cool game. Anyway, that said, the video game version is fine. It's okay. It's not great. It's not bad. Twenty two might be different, but you should check it out if you love cricket. Uh, Lens Island is coming to PC on November 26th and folks, that's really, that's really it for the big releases. Um, we had a couple of really big, uh, shadow drops this past week, obviously, um, with, uh, with Halo and of course the League of Legends RPG. Um, so I think that's kind of took, took all the surprises that we can muster. Uh, if you recall, Final Fantasy 14 in Walker was supposed to come out on the 23rd, but of course it's been delayed to December 7th. So, uh, this would have been a very busy week, especially for us here at the site. However, uh, it's been moved and we have another couple of weeks to catch up with all of our questing before the, uh, incredible, huge, amazing, earth-shattering expansion for Final Fantasy XIV drops. And of course, you can read all about Final Fantasy XIV over at thelinkshell.com. That is the link shell, L-I-N-K-S-H-E-L-L.com. That will take you to fanbyte.com's Final Fantasy XIV coverage. That's right. The linkshell.com is basically our Final Fantasy XIV vertical. You can always get there by going to that uh, URL or just by going to our website and clicking on any Final Fantasy XIV article. We have a lot of them. Expect a lot of uh, new updates to that content over the next month or so. Uh, you'll be able to see uh, cool tools and tooltips and uh, better uh, better guides that can basically uh, diagram you through a lot of situations, as well as a model viewer. There's a lot of exciting stuff uh, because we like Final Fantasy XIV a whole heck of a lot. Okay, here's the usually the time where I go through what is uh, coming to and leaving uh, the the uh, the Game Pass service over at Microsoft in uh, over at Microsoft's house. Um, I have a uh, an unfortunate correction to make. I think all of these weeks I have been saying something that would imply that you can still play these games that leave Game Pass as long as you go download them before they leave. This is a combination of me being wrong, me making some assumptions, and also um, me not not fully understanding the best way to say what I'm trying to say. So let's unpack some of that. When you get a Game Pass game, if it ever leaves the service, even if you're still paying for the service, you will no longer be able to play it through the Game Pass service. However, you will likely be faced with a discount if you would like to purchase that game and keep it forever. So the past few weeks when I've been saying you should grab Final Fantasy VIII, what I should have said is that you should still pick up that game and keep it with your Game Pass discount because it's very good. Or I should have said you only have a few days to beat this game before they pull it off. But instead, I said something that was wrong which was basically go get this before it leaves because in my stupid mind, it makes sense for you to still be able to keep something as long as you download it. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, but then you could just go get a lot of hard drives and basically have all this game pass data forever. Listen, 
the likelihood that someone's going to do that's very low. So I figured it would be kind of big baked into the system that you would still be able to have this game as long as it's kind of housed in your library when it goes away. But I was wrong. And they could also, hey, Xbox, some free advice. If it's like actively on your hard drive and it's not like archived or, you know, there's not just a record of it being downloaded at some point. I think if it's there, if it's physically there, the space is being taken on the hard drive, you should be able to take it. But I've been wrong about this the entire time. And I apologize. It's very unprofessional of me for not realizing that that was good. Thank you to our Discord for correctly pointing out that I was wrong about this. And I really appreciate it. That said, uh, nothing is leaving the Xbox Game Pass uh, anymore. Everything left on um, on the 15th. So, yeah. However, we do have some, uh, some new stuff uh, that is coming up, uh, which is great. Uh, so we have Deer Simulator, uh, which is available day one on Xbox Game Pass. Um, there that, 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 that's a slow, slow life town destruction game. According to, uh, the folks at Xbox, that sounds interesting and uh mortal shell. Uh, if you haven't played mortal shell, it is kind of, listen, I'm sorry. It's kind of a souls like, uh, it really focuses on a lot of like precise combat movement. It's a little less floaty than your average dark souls. It's coming to the Xbox uh, game pass service on the 23rd. So that's amazing. And if you're into Evil Genius, uh, then Evil Genius 2 is coming out on the 30th. Now, that's not covered by this week, but I'm letting you know that don't buy that game now. You can you can basically get it on Game Pass in a couple weeks. So cool. Uh, but yeah, Mortal Shells, probably the big one on, on Xbox Game Pass um, over the next week. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, that is like such a perfect... Um, game pass game because i i'm i'm hesitant to spend money on something like that um when i know that i bounce off a lot of dark souls games but it's on game pass now so i can just download it and see if it's uh more my jam anyway thank you for humoring my correction thanks again to the discord you can join our discord at fanbyte.casa that is fanbyte.casa and you can correct me whenever you want i'm not a defensive person why well, am but not about that this week halo infinite's multiplayer came out which kind of sucked all the oxygen out of a bunch of other things that actually happened this week so i wanted to talk to funky joseph our featured contributor about two other games that came out this week that are probably worth your time hi funky Hey, what's hey. Up? Um, so one of the games that we knew was going to come out before this week started was uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Um, I know you spent some time with it this week. Uh, how is it? I am. I'm so biased because that is a Pokemon game I remember picking up and i remember like the experience of like like oh i want to get this one with the one with dialga on yeah diamond one and it was one of my favorite games as a child so it is delivering exactly that i think the thing that i love the most about it so far is just the music it's Ah. it's all different uh composition different different instruments but the same songs 
that I remember as a child. And it's just, it hits, it hits so hard. I was streaming a bit of it last night on my personal channel, like very late at night. Um, yeah, I, and- I saw that Funke. I was on the road and I tried to turn it on, but didn't have the internet to do it. I was, <gasps> it was in the middle of the night and I was like, Oh, great. This will actually be good. And then I, <laughs> I didn't have internet because I live in the boonies. Anyway, go ahead. No worries. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to stream more, but I, during that stream, I would just stop when I entered a town or something and just play the music for like 30 seconds. Yeah. No joke. Just dancing. It's so good. That's fun. And that's kind of sounds like what the, um, the final fantasy pixel remasters have done. Like uh, you know, there are five of those out now and they've all been remastered with new like instrumentation for those songs. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that. I'm like, Oh wow. That is like, just, yeah, just bore that into my brain, please. It's very um, good. Yeah. yeah. The game itself, like I it got a lot of criticisms when it was revealed along with uh, legends Arceus of the art style, the kind of chibi, smaller yeah. doll like characters. Honestly, fuck the haters. You can bleep that out, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't. I, I was I was playing it last night. And I was like, what are they mad about? It is so cute. This game is for babies. This game is literally for babies. It's for children. It's for it's, children. It's for kids. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm I'm fine with the characters looking like babies, like looking like giant kids. It's it's fine. It really adds to the world when when like the old guy is it looks just like you, but with a beard. Um, <laughs> it's it's really sweet. Um, I, it it runs pretty smooth as well. I haven't noticed any hiccups. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying my time with it so far. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, so you recommend it for definitely folks that are super nostalgic for it. I'm guessing, but what mm-hmm. about what about newcomers? Like, I bounce off of a lot of Pokemon games. Just truth be told, and my my honest assumption is like i'll probably bounce off of this one but like what does diamond and pearl what do diamond and pearl do maybe differently or more interestingly that you know i might be interested in um you know what i'm not gonna sell you this game if you're if you're if you bounce off of them i bounced off of the past three uh sun and moon i think Uh, i did play let's go but i bounced off of pokemon shield and pokemon sword as well i did too this one, I think, has the same feeling as those games, as, as Sword and Shield, but I, the nostalgia is really just hooking me in. It, Fair enough. A game hasn't really done this for me in a while, like, fueled me. I, the only reason I'm playing it is because I'm like, oh, I remember this, and yeah. I really like this. That's powerful. Um, it It is powerful, but I don't know if this is something I'd recommend to people who don't already have previous Diamond experience or Pearl. Um and honestly, if you want to get that, I, I still think the originals are better. Yeah, that's what it's, I keep reading. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's still a nice experience. But if you want that OG diamond, like this is what people are hyped about. Go back to the OGs. Cool. Well, a game I'm dying to check out, honestly, but haven't done it yet is uh, a Ruined King, a League of Legends story, um, which uh, got shadow dropped this week, just like Halo Infinite. Yep, we knew that this game was coming. It looked very cool. Uh, and bang, there it is. Um, so I know you spent some time with this as well. Um, what are your impressions of the game so far? Oh, League of Legends. It is, <laughs> I, I, it brings a smile to my face that the past two weeks I can talk about League 
<laughs> like people yeah. don't. It seems cool. Asleep. Like it seems <laughs> suddenly <laughs> seems cool to talk about League of Legends, which I never thought I would fucking see. I never yeah. thought I'd see it. But Rune King is a League of Legends based game. It is uh, focusing on expanding some of the lore of Bilgewater, the pirate town, um, the Shadow Isles, which is like the ghost village uh, on the water. And also telling stories from uh, uh, characters that are around that area. It's a turn-based RPG, and it's pretty fun. Um, the writing is is really solid. Um, the combat feels good when it works. The only issue I've been running into, and a couple of my friends also dealt with it, it's not hitting everyone, but there is an issue with selecting uh, enemies which you want to attack. Uh, like who in the three you're fighting you want to fight and mm. use an ability on. And there's an issue with selecting who you want to heal on your own team. And John, this is a turn-based RPG. Sure, yeah. That seems like a kind of a, a key factor. The yeah. game is selecting enemies and selecting teammates. <laughs> that is it. That is what That's it is. It. You're walking around a dungeon and then you fight and you're selecting. So when you do not have any agency there it gets a bit boring. It kind of drags a bit Mm. and you're just pressing a basically. And you don't Mm. really, you can do a couple of strategies, but like most of the strategies thrown out the window, it's, it's frankly disappointing. Um, and I don't want to like shit on the game at all because this is a glitch with it and it's not affecting everyone, but it is affecting me. And, you know, I want to get farther in this. And, and you're the one I'm asking about it. So I, <laughs> yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a big deal. I feel like uh, if I picked up Final Fantasy X and it started doing that to me, I'd be like, well, fuck this game um, mm. and dunk it. But yeah, I mean, do, are they, do you, I mean, is it something that you feel like they'll, they'll fix? It's something that I could see them dropping a patch like okay. next week being like, be okay, good. we fixed this glitch. Uh, just download this 200 megabytes or whatever. Okay. All right. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. And I've kind of put it on the shelf for now. Interesting. Which yeah. I, I was genuinely down to kind of run it every night and just play through it. Yeah. But that roadblock just made it like, you know what? I, I want to play this game for real. Not kind of just sit on the sidelines and watch it. Yeah. That's a big be one. played. Um, so I, I'm waiting on that patch. Not yeah, gonna lie. Fair enough. Hopefully it's soon. Hopefully they know it's a thing. I don't really know how to report that to them. Or, <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it is a game. Johnny asked me like if if Diamond Brilliant Diamond was something that people who weren't fans of the original would like. This game, I think it's doing a lot of the work in pulling non-league fans into league. That was um, literally my next question. So thank you. Yeah. Like I, because there's a, you know, a, a billion champions. I don't know how they're connected. I, I, I do you know, here's the truth about Bilgewater. The only reason I know that funky is I've toured riots thing and their coffee shop is called Bilgewater. That's so, so like, sick. So like, yeah, it's like, that's the only, I was like, Oh, Bilgewater. That's where I got a latte once neat, you know, like, um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like, so someone like me could jump in and kind of get what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm, okay. I'm actually writing up like a league lore guide. Oh, uh, wow. Natalie Flores hit me up. <laughs> it was just like, Hey, Funky, how do you get into league? And like, I had the giantest Joker smile on my face. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think this game is one of the good avenues. I think watching arcane, that's yeah. the easiest way, honestly, right now, um, the way I got into it was just playing the MOBA. Um, yeah. I, thank you, everyone, for saluting. I know you're 
every listener saluting for <laughs> me playing a MOBA. It's hard, but we got through it. Um, but yeah, you just basically picking a character and, that you think is cool. And then you just go up on the site and you read who they are. And usually they're connected to about like three or four other champions in their area. Um, either like someone betrayed somebody or that's your long lost brother. Yeah. Uh, who's like a polar bear now. And you're, <laughs> you're uh, a okay. frozen bird defending a sand pyramid. I love it. It's a, there's so many different types of stories they tell in League of Legends, which gets me so excited. It, it has gotten me excited for like t- almost 10 years now. Yeah. Um, like I remember playing this in early high school, like, oh boy, I can't <laughs> wait to play League. And, and now that's exactly I'm... what you sounded like. I can't believe it. <laughs> that is. <laughs> and now I'm seeing these like stories get fleshed out. That that's cool. Stories that were, I, I wrote about this in my Arcane review, which you can read on fanbyte.com. But originally the lore was like sentences. Right. Like, like this person lives here and killed this person's friend or yeah. whatever. And to see that be fleshed out in the past two weeks in, in works that Riot Forge is creating and yeah. Arcane and all of the future endeavors that, that Riot has announced, like a fighting game and an MMO, yep. it, it's really exciting. Um, and yeah, they've, they've thrown out the lore a bunch of times and rewritten it, but this recent push feels like, okay, we're, this is we, the, lore. we got it. Yeah. This, this is, is the it. canon. Yeah. We're getting people into league through this. Uh, yeah. and not gonna lie. I think it's working. That's awesome. That's so cool. All right, Funky. I'm definitely going to pick that one up, play it. I'm going to probably not pick up Pokemon, but I'm glad people are enjoying it. <laughs> Good choices there. Good I, choices. I respect that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging out. No problem. And I'll see you on Summoner's Rift. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> that is going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guests, Brett Besson, Associate Professor over at Austin College. Thank you, Brett. You can find Brett at uh, B Besson. That is B-B-O-E-S-S-E-N over on the Twitter machine. Uh, and you know what? If you're a high school student, you're thinking about going to, to college, you could do worse than Austin College. I really mean that. They didn't pay me to say that. I just, it's a, it, it's not in the best place. Full disclosure, but it's, it's a good school. So you should check it out. Uh, uh, I also want to thank uh, Funke Joseph. Thank you so much, Funke. If you want to follow Funke on Twitter, you can do so at Funke Fly. If you want to follow my wonderful producer, Paul Tamayo, you can do so over at Pauly Mayo. Please listen to the optional podcast, especially if you like the sound of my voice, because I was on this week's episode and it was a blast. We talked about Halo Infinite, we talked about the jankiness of the new Grand Theft Auto stuff. I talked about how I started my career and kind of gave some offhand advice and my philosophy about media uh, got pretty navel-gazy, actually. But I don't know. I had a good time. Uh, So go listen to The Optional. It's really good. Um, You can find all of our podcasts at podcastnet.org. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at FloppyAdult. You can find the entire Fanbyte staff at Fanbyte Media. Um, And you know what? Until next time, you're welcome. Thank you.